Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez. Yeah. Jimmy. PJ. B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you want to end a one or two hour show to keep the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Both with the topic. Sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the bad five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and great. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys diversified and educated. Good War Room family, you are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports. On that War Room Sports podcast network, I'm one of your hosts, I'm the Bull Dev Mac, and I'm here with my brother from another, B. Austin is in the building, what up, B? Hey, good people, thank you to meet you, thank you to meet you. No, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, man. Uh, y'all know what it is, man, we do this every week, but first we want to shout out the NBA champion, the Golden State Warriors, but tonight newest crop of potential NBA superstars into the league through this year's NBA draft. So we're going to rap about both. So sit back, relax, bust it up again with your guys in the war room, the greatest man cave ever created. Uh, you can get in on the conversation yourself by signing into the By the Hood chat room. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the war room, or you could join us on Facebook, Twitter, IG, all of that is at War Room Sports. We'll also be taking your calls in about 30 minutes. On that Digital Extreme Tech Hotline, that number is 323-410-0012. So what up, fam? What's going on with you, man? How's the week going? How's the Grizz Nye? <laughs> Yo, What's going on? I feel like Atlanta done turned into not only Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's like the eighth level of hell, man. It's been 100 degrees for like four straight days. Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, I, I, you know, they don't call it hot Lancer for nothing. Cause I know them them summer times. It's crazy. That's funny. I was talking to um, a friend of mine that was telling me about a girl's trip that she and her friends were going to take in August, right? Mm-hmm. So the choices were, you know, somewhere in Georgia or somewhere in Arizona. They chose not to go to Arizona because of the heat. And I had to promptly explain to them that you made a mistake. Oh, because smart. the heat in Georgia and the heat in Arizona are two different types of heat. Now, while it may be a good 110 degrees in, in uh, Arizona, it's a dry heat, and I think a lot of people who, you know, haven't traveled to some of these regions don't recognize that it's not a myth between dry heat and humid heat. Like, if you go to Arizona when it's 110 degrees, or you go to New Orleans, Houston, or Atlanta when it's, when it's 90, 90 degrees, you're going to be less comfortable in Georgia, New Orleans, and Houston than you are because you're going to walk outside and you're going to feel like you just jumped into boiling water. Whereas when you're like in Arizona or Nevada, it could be hot as hell and you can walk down the street for 30 minutes and not even break a sweat because the heat is that dry. Like I thought it was a myth until I walked the whole Vegas strip on a 115 degree day 
and was pretty much dry when I can come on man even here in Maryland if it's 85 degrees I walk outside I'm a I'm a nasty sweating mess <laughs> That's oh, just how it is, uh, man. DC, that new problem. DC fits, in, but, um, DC fits into that equation because little do most know, DC is built on a swamp, and it's very close to sea level, so it's one of the humid. more humid places. Like, humidity is the problem, man. Heat is not. Humidity yeah. is the problem. Humidity, humidity makes you feel colder than it is when it's cold because you, like, you're wet and cold. And right. It makes it feel hotter than it is when it's hot outside because you the water is it's, it's, it's oppressive. Like it's harder to breathe in a in a humid place than it is in a dry. Like you come outside and it's like, oh my! It's like it feel like it really feel like you're getting rolled on by the by the by the weather <laughs> when you come outside <laughs> in a New Orleans, especially like a Houston. Yo, Houston used to boil my my face. Yo, I used to go to Houston and get like craters on my mug because it was so hot. But yeah, I, I had to tell him like ah. For that particular reason, y'all made the wrong decision. Y'all just looking at raw temperature. It's different. The world is worse because it's hot and it's stinks. <laughs> but anyway, all of that was from you saying how hot it was. The, the gates of hell then opened up. And y'all know it. When y'all see photos of hell, you always see boiling lava. Them humid, humid places feel like you just walked outside and boiling. boiling lava. <laughs> and to make it worse. I'm seeing I'm seeing men with beards, dresses, pocketbooks, and heels. So I know it's no, no, go ahead, man. <laughs> All right, man. Y'all know what it is, man. Before we get started, before B. Austin takes y'all way off the hook, uh, we just got to remind you that whether you're with us live or not, at any time on demand, you can still check out archive episodes of our show, The War Room. And all of, your par- all of our partner shows on the War Room Sports Podcast Network, you can either do that on our website at warroomsports.com, or if you happen to have a favorite place, a favorite site, favorite app that you listen to uh, podcasts on, check it out. Just, just put in War Room Sports, and we are bound to be there. You can listen to any episode of any of the shows that are currently on our network, man, shows like Tissue and the Tape. Uh, if you're into hip-hop, shout out to Phil Maddock and Survive, man, the greatest hip-hop show on air right now. If you don't believe me, go listen for yourself. Uh, you got the Broad Street Line and Superstars. If you're into Philly sports, man, the Broad Street Line is about 11 years strong. Even though it's Philly-based, they talk some national stuff. And I ain't even going to hold you, man. I think the Broad Street Line is one of the greatest sports podcasts I've ever listened to. And I thought that before they were on our network. Like, I've always given those brothers props. They yeah, came up here. pretty much at the same time we did. They, they, they've they been doing it right for, for a good 11 strong. If you, if you want to check out some real sports analysis and entertainment without them insulting uh, the gays or being politically uncorrect, <laughs> we are... <laughs> Them dudes are professionals over there. Now we we gonna get to the we gonna get to the nitty gritty and 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 talk our intelligence, but we also probably gonna offend some people, and we don't need yeah. to offend some people. Grocery line is it's definitely hard, less offensive. Um, the homie Chris Domingo though, he he's definitely gonna let it fly language wise, but he's not gonna offend you. It's different. Like we could go through a whole episode and not curse once, but. Somebody going to turn this off. Somebody going to call the FCC. Somebody going to put a hit out on one of our uh, children. Like, every every time we do this, like, some of that stuff happens. 
Um, and that's even, you know, even if we don't curse. Broad Street Line, like, like, you know, Chris going to let it fly a couple of times, but it ain't going to be nothing offensive to you or your mama um, <laughs> like we do here. Uh, so shout out to those fellas. Uh, Superstars, the newest show on, on our Big E, Soup, H, Dante. Uh, listen to those guys. Ah, there's a chance there you, you, you might get offended a little bit. But um, it's a great show. Uh, that's Philly-based as well. Um, if you're a foodie, uh, John Appetit with the Burtons. Check it out. They're going, to just tell, they're going to tell you where to go when you're traveling, where to eat, and they're just going to give you their honest opinions on it. And it's a, a husband and wife combination, very entertaining, very, very entertaining show. We got another husband and wife show on the couch with the Wilsons. If you're into TV, streaming services, movies, whatever, their slogan is, we watch everything so you don't have to. And when they say everything, I mean everything. I, don't, I, I think the Wilsons have more hours in their day than, than regular human beings because I don't understand how they watch every damn show that comes on every streaming service, every show on TV, every movie that comes out. They watch everything, so you don't have to. So make sure you check that out. And, of course, after further review with the mayor. Um, that's national. That's sports. Uh, the mayor going to give it to you real. Gonna give it to you raw, <laughs> and ladies, if you like it raw, go see the mayor. <laughs> but I'll let everybody, man. That's the War Room Sports Mayor. Mayor sound like old dirty, sound like old dirty bastard. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so look, B, let's get into these hot topics, man. Uh, hot topics as usual, brought to y'all by my bookie, War Room Family. It's time to make some money. Sports betting in my bookie. If you still haven't checked out my bookie, then it's time to stop wasting your time. Time to place a bet. Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals just finished. So if you have placed a, a bet recently, maybe you won some money. You know, maybe you're on Boston. Maybe you lost some money. Uh, the NBA draft is tonight. You can do prop bets and all of that kind of stuff on there as well. So make sure you go place a bet, man. Lay down some bread on all the, all the biggest games in sports. Join us and thousands of other online players. This is where you place your bets, mybookie.ag. Remember that website, mybookie.ag. No excuses when you win. You get your money fast, no hassle. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wages after the game starts. Join now, and I promise you all, mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit all the way up to $1,000. To get that deal, just use the promo code WARROOM, that's all caps, one word, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Throw that promo code in there. Play, win, and get paid with a few dollars on us. That's all there is to it. All right, man, real, real quick recap, man, because we haven't been here since the NBA Finals um, uh, finished. We were actually on air live uh, prior to game six, and Boston wasn't uh, gracious enough to stretch it out for us. So at least when we were doing our wrap-up, it would be a little closer to when the series ended. It seems like the series ended two months ago. But we're going to give a quick wrap-up. Uh, the Warriors defeat the Celtics in six, four games to two. Uh, Steph Curry finally got that elusive finals MVP. It only took him four championships to do it. And I, I think, you know, I think I still think he got shafted on the, the Iguodala one. Um, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, so it is what it is in, in that situation. But what, what's your thoughts now that the finals are over? Why did the Warriors do what they did? Why were they able to do it in six? What the hell happened to Jason Tatum and, and, and uh, Jalen Brown? 
what's your quick wrap up of the NBA finals? What did you take away from it? Uh, in the words of Teddy Brookshot, you want to come test the rocket man now? Especially you want to come test the warrior? Oh, oh. Me bust up shot in you. Boom shot. Yo, <laughs> to be honest, man, um, I, everyone know, well should know. I'm I'm a big Steph supporter. I don't like saying I'm a fan of any man. Yeah, um, we, I think we and, we pe- people of yeah, our ilk. I'm not gonna say everybody. I think people of <laughs> our ilk have aged out of individual fandom. Like yeah, yeah, individual too, fandom is, is kind of corny when you are age, but the way like, our dignity was set up. From we a fan of our the, sons uh, and nephews. That's about it. But from the hood, ball. from the hood streets of Philadelphia, dick riding was imprinted <laughs> on our brains as something we were not allowed to do, and we walked around our lives so scared that we would appear to be a rider that it, you know we unable to do certain things. So I just say I'm a supporter of. I'm a supporter of Steph. Um, love his story. Love his game. Love the way he treats and interacts with the fans and people while still maintaining some of that cockiness and arrogance that should come when you're as good as he is. And so salute to him. I think he earned every bit of it. And, and to coin uh, a phrase that Mr. Uh, Mr. Triple Single has made very popular, what they going to say, man? What they going to do? Now, right. and I apply that to the Warriors in general, but especially to Steph. Now, to the to the game, press me the most is Boston was obviously, obviously the superior athletic foe outside of Andrew Wiggins uh, notwithstanding. Take him out of that equation because he changed things a little bit. But other than Andrew Wiggins, there was no impending athletes on the Warriors, and I felt like Boston at one point in time around game three or four was was imposing their will on um, the Warriors through superior physicality and athleticism. And I said, yo, these dudes are in trouble. Yo, but the heart of a champion, man, they figured it out, figured out how – to mentally adjust their play on the court and step up big. And then from there, man, Boston came unraveled. Now, granted, they, they, were, they were ripe for coming unraveled, and the reason being, as we've discussed, Boston doesn't have a point guard. They don't have a point guard, so they, they go with the Heedle strategy the Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, your turn. Oh, not nah, it's your turn. Oh, not nah, it's right. your turn. Version of playmaking, and unless you are supremely, you know, top five of all time, top thirty, top forty of all time player, yo, that that ish doesn't really. It works right yeah, in that's, season. That's the thing. But it we've doesn't seen, work against the team. We've seen so many people try to copy that formula and and i think that's what people come to realize so people will super team up and they figure we don't have to get a pure anything at these positions because we got these two or three guys that are so supremely talented that we'll just make things work but i think all it's done 
since, you know, the Heatles, all it's done exactly. was make people realize, like, damn, we are not as good as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. We are not, and, and Dwayne, you know what I mean? We are not that good. And, and salute to, to Boston. Me, salute. To me, the Heatles mm-hmm. were pretty much a failure, and they still won two championships. So, yeah, you know, everybody think they just going to super told. team up and go get one, and it really hasn't worked like that too too well. No. And, and unless no, LeBron so, James salute, is a part of it. <laughs> salute to Marcus Smart. Because I don't want to take anything away from him. He has crafted a career and made himself into much, much more than a bump. Marcus Smart, to me, is what Patrick Beverly advertises himself to be. (laughs) Yeah, Marcus Smart is a legit – he's a legit player. If you you look at him as a third or fourth option, he's going to get you 20 on some nights. He can shoot that thing a lot better than you think. He's big body. He's a football right. player. So remember, he, he came the in the league and had one early yeah. in the, had the reputation early in his career of being somebody who can't shoot. Cannot. You gotta respect him now. He's he he gonna knock shoot. that down if you leave him over. But he can shoot. Yeah. Like I, I, I respect. But he's not a playmaker, and so they roll him out there, figuring athletically he can lock up the other team's point guard or shooting guard. Uh, uh, Jalen Brown's going to lock up the other team's two or three man. Uh, Tatum's going to lock up and then just pick one in terms of making plays. And, and and when and when that's not working, their offense gets very stagnant. And listen, I'm a Jalen Brown supporter. In fact, I think that he's the best player on that Boston squad. Quiet is kept. Not the most talented, but the best and the most athletic. But then. How he make it to this level, and he can't dribble? All right. Yo, he all can't right. dribble at all. Like he's worse than Vince back in the day. He like Ron Mercer. He like Ron Mercer handled that. That's terrible. Yo, if That's he can't go, terrible. if he can't go right, he's got to go right, and he has to take three bounces or less, or it's gonna be an accident. If he go left. It's one dribble. Yo, we got one dribble to get it all done. If it can't happen in one, it's it's a train wreck, yo. And and he's oh. nice, and that's the thing. He's nice, but how? Right, because he's another one. Like, he makes way more shots than I think he's capable of. I'm like, damn. I'm like, I got to stop thinking that Jalen Brown, like, can't shoot. Like, Jalen Brown can shoot. No, that's true. Right. He can so shoot. Listen. It, just look, it, looks or, it looks awkward and unorthodox. It's not smooth. So you discount it. It don't look good. So by my estimation, right, I think this might be, this is probably the least talented Warriors team that we've pretty much seen, you know, during their championship 100%. runs, right? 100%. And, and maybe, 100%. maybe talent is the wrong word. Maybe the talent is the wrong word because they do have very talented pieces like a like an Andrew Wiggins. Um, no, no, no. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. They they are still no, very no, talented. But, but what I'm but saying the is least, the least like talented even, of the bunch. Even and age. But but that's what I that's what I wrestle with. Like, is it a talent thing or is it just the least veteran savvy? in their prime type because most of their veterans think about it Steph did what he did while Draymond for much of the season 
was a shell of himself. While, while Clay, considering what Clay could do in his prime pre-injury, was a bit of a shell of himself. But they still ended up winning the NBA Finals in six. Steph finally got his MVP. So I'm like, is this more a credit to what Steph was able to do? Of course, you know, he had help from some of his young guys too. But is this more of a credit to him? Or is this more of an indictment against the Celtics just pretty much saying, oh, maybe they weren't ready for this yet? Because, you know, they have the talent where you think they're going to get indictment. back. It's, it's an indictment of the Celtics. It's an indictment of Mr. Nia. It's also a coming out party pause for Andrew Wiggins, yo. And I could literally see the confidence in that young man growing. Like, right. you could see, like, he was being up, and then he realized, yo, I'm a different type of African. Right, I can do more Jason than this. Tatum is a African. He can't score on me, so I'm going to lock his ass up. Then I'm going to go on the other end and score, and I'm going to tell you how I could tell he's a, he's, a, he's a different type of African. My son plays soccer, and whenever we play with some of the West African brothers with all the muscles and no body fat, they always say, uh, yeah, I'm not tired. <laughs> well, we've been out here for three, for three hours. No, I'm not, I'm not tired. I want to run some more. Andrew Wiggins said at the end of one of these games, like, yeah, uh, I'm not tired. Yes, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really get tired. I knew that it was a pro. Two things that I knew would lead to a Warriors victory. Number one, number one was when he said, I don't, I don't really get tired. I knew that Jason Tatum was going to be in for a long series. Number right. two was when they threw the ball into Al Horford, and God bless him, man. Al, use an overachiever. He shot a shot in game one. He, he blew his whole wide in game one. Yo, but they threw it in the post. He took two or three dribbles, and Steph was on him. And he didn't shoot. He kicked it back out for the center, kicked the ball back out of the post after having a mismatch of a point guard on him, and he wouldn't score. I was like, yo, I don't care where we are. I don't care what year it is. I don't care what type of basketball we playing. I don't care what type of travels are now legal. If you throw the ball into somebody 6'9", and they're being guarded by somebody that's 6'3", <laughs> and he don't back. turn around and just get a layup – Yo, man, y'all can't win, man. Yeah. Y'all can't win. There's no way that you can win if Al Horford can't score on Steph on the low block. Y'all can't win. I, I'm being – I know it sounds funny. The way I'm making it sound is funny. But in, in all reality and truth, yo, if Al Horford isn't going to go ahead and get as many buckets as possible on that switch, then, yo, y'all can't win, man. Y'all can't yeah. win. There's no way in trouble. Win. But I, I, that's another thing, though. I don't know if that's a negative to Al Horford or is that just a negative to the way ball is played these days? That's a negative to the way ball is played. That's, that's, the way, that's the way hoops is played. But he still should know. He's old enough to know. Yo, dog, I got, I got a point guard on him. Let me just turn around. It didn't require a move. It didn't require something fancy, no great footwork, just a pivot, raise the ball up and tap board or dump or lay it right. Yo, right. no, Yo, how – I don't even understand how they didn't get buckets out of that situation, and it happened twice. 
But are we gonna are we gonna treat are we gonna treat Big Al like we treated Ben Simmons for passing up that that dunk on uh, Trey? <laughs> nah, because Al, Al got too Al, much credit in saw, the game. As we saw, Alphonse was not scared to shoot at all. He was letting that thing fly all series long. A lot of one going in in game two and game three, but he was letting that thing fly. Ben Simmons would have left the arena <laughs> and claimed a back injury and mental health and autism and shit. <laughs> Yo. All right, so, you know, last thing about this, you know, now that, you know, Steph got his fourth, he got his first finals MVP because people were acting like he needed the finals MVP to cement his legacy or something, which I found, I find totally ridiculous. Um, I mean, cause we know most times, nine times out of 10, the finals MVP is going to go to the best player on the winning team. But all in all, the finals MVP is still just, okay, you played, you put up the best statistics for five, six, or seven games. Like, that doesn't make a whole season. Like, Shaq got three finals MVPs with Kobe because Shaq knew that there was something at stake. Shaq would let Kobe dominate all throughout the playoffs. They'd have either equal stats in some seasons. Kobe had better stats in the playoffs up until the finals when Shaq knew that there was a trophy involved. Then it's time, he even says, it's time for the big dog to eat. So people always, you know, they well, use they that as the argument the of, eat. you know, of, of Kobe being a sidekick instead of being an equal, which for at least titles two and three was a ridiculous notion, right? But people are simple like that. So I guess they figured Steph needed that because he had never gotten one. First of all, he got cheated for one with Andre Iguodala. One of the two with Kevin Durant. Could have gone either way, but you kind of, you know, everybody, I, even I would have picked Kevin Durant. I just don't think that's that important. Like, Andre Iguodala has a finals MVP. Um, Kawhi Leonard, before he was Kawhi Leonard, had a finals MVP, when, you know, when he was with the Spurs. Not even, you know, he, he was looked at as being – a better player all time than, than Andre Iguodala, at least he should be. Chauncey Billups has a Finals MVP. Sometimes it just be that way. Somebody just going, somebody, especially on a team like Detroit, where you got four dudes who could probably win it. So somebody got to win it. But it looks, well, Chauncey you know, may end weird. up in the hall at some point. I, I, it's possible, you know. I, I wouldn't do that, but it's. I'm not saying it ain't possible. <laughs> But you, but you know what I'm trying to say, though. Like, to, to say yeah, that Steph needs that to cement his legacy, I think is totally ridiculous. Steph, so yeah. Steph Curry, who changed the game of basketball, who has four championships, who has more three-point shots made than anybody in the history of the game, and he's nowhere near finished, he needs to be the best player of a six-game stretch for his, for his legacy to be cemented. All right, well, he got Listen, that. Man. Now that he has I, that, I, I was, are people taking mm-hmm. it too far? Because now we're asking questions, uh, is this really LeBron's era? Steph's got the same amount of championships <laughs> in this era. <laughs> Steph, quote, unquote, changed the game of basketball. So now this week, I mean, you got people saying Steph jumped into the top ten of all time. Steph passed Kobe. Steph passed this person. Yeah. Steph is now the best point guard of all time in front of Magic. And now it's, it's Steph better than LeBron. 
Does any of those questions that I just asked have merit because Steph led his team to another championship and got his finals MVP? No. If Steph Yo, is a better listen, point listen. guard than Magic, Steph ain't even a point guard to me, first of all. He's but not a point guard. If we want to, you know. First of all, let me explain basketball to some of our listeners. And 100 years from now, when you dig these up and you listen, Steph Curry is a point guard only inside. And I'm, and I'm a Steph supporter. I love his game. I enjoy it. I relate to it. Because everybody, every hooper wants to go to the court and be able to bust somebody's ass so bad they just throw shit up and it's going in. <laughs> and that's Steph. Like, like everyone wants secretly a force called heat check. I'm heat checking. Steph just hot all the time, right? So we, you relate to Steph. But cut it out, man, with the top 10. He might be top 20. I can even see maybe top 15. But I've heard a lot of disrespectful things from pundits like, like, I've heard, I hope, listen, I'm going to say this, and, and brother, our esteemed brother and uncle, Sonny Hill, I did not say this. I don't believe it. But I heard people say that Steph is better than Will. Oh, God. <laughs> Yo, oh God. I heard people say, I'm going to take Will Chamberlain out of the top ten to put Steph Curry in. I said, yo, if you took Steph Curry's best game and subtracted it from Wilt's best game, it would still be an all-time great game by Wilt. Come on, man. Stop. Stop. Don't like we. And what it is is a combination of lazy analysis, so intellectual laziness combined with feelings, right? We go with what makes us feel good, and because we're in a prisoner-of-the-moment society and time, the feeling is relevant because it's it's new, it's it's recent. We still feel it, and then we don't want to think too much, and we don't want to do too much research. So we're just going to go with the latest and greatest thing. I feel I feel terrible for Steph because in a in a vacuum, I can just give him the credit that he deserves. But because we go from him being slighted by things like, oh, he doesn't have a uh, finals MVP, so he's not this or that. We go from that end of the spectrum to, yes, yeah, Steph is top ten. Now yeah, Steph is top thing. five. Now it's between you know, Steph and MJ. <laughs> and Steph, Steph and, and I'm going to let you write, Steph is, Steph is as much of a point guard as Allen Iverson was a point guard. They're the same player, only Steph gets his done in a different fashion than AI. But they're the same type of, like, they're not point guard. In fact, I, Steph's passing, it's not that it's bad. Like, he, he's a good, very good passer, but he tries shit with his passes that is irksome. Like, he does some <laughs> dumbass things as a point guard. I'm not accepting. I'm bent, like, he, oh, yo, I, I mean, a lot of times because Steph, he, he's gotten to a level where Steph, you know, being – Looking so unassuming, I mean, we know him now, but looking so unassuming, like Steph is a dude, he's going to try to embarrass you. So he tries to do stuff that even he shouldn't be doing sometimes. But Steph is I'm in the I'm in the lane, even I'm in the lane amongst like four people. Let me throw it behind the back off the right. elbow just because just even in the, in, the, so in the finals. Like, come on, that he, he attempts to disrespect his, his opponents from time to time. 
Um, shout out to Skyview. Skyview said the reason that Boston failed is Golden State are the only team during their run that they absolutely couldn't leave anyone open like they did Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. Um, I mean, you can leave Draymond open. I, I, I ain't sweating that ever. You can leave Draymond open. Um, Yo, but, yeah, everybody else is pretty much Draymond got to retire, man. It's time for Draymond <laughs> to go. But go ahead. No, but the thing was, when we criticized him, and I say we as, like, the whole nation criticized him, he did, you know, move closer to being the old glue Draymond that that we were used to seeing. I'm not saying he became that guy. Like, they didn't win the title because of Draymond or, you know, Draymond, Draymond wasn't yeah. the catalyst. Like, Draymond's never come close to winning a finals MVP or, you know, anything like that. But there were times where you basically could say, yo, Draymond was the catalyst. Like, he was the one making the plays, getting everybody looks when they were open, playing good defense. You saw flashes of that after the criticism from early in the, um, the series. But he just – he's not the same. So that's why I'm like, yo, it's crazy that they, you know, with everybody, like this team still winning championships when their core is just not the same as they once were. That's why I'm like, you, you, I guess you got to give Steph some props for being able to carry the situation more. When in Golden State, nobody ever really had to carry the situation in the playoffs or the finals. Um. Yeah. So, so shout out to them, man. They are the champions once again. But Boston still, is a tough feel. team, man. I think that team is an a basketball IQ away, a collective basketball IQ away, um, from being where they want to be. And that you know, when so your players, if Chris you know, Paul are, can are struggling in the way out Phoenix, and and they end up with Chris Paul as their CG. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. I mean, we could say that, but. Chris Paul might have shown that it don't matter where you go. He going he going <laughs> get you excited, but all in all he's just a loser. <laughs> 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 but yo, know, it, it is crazy though cuz you know Jason Tatum for all he was, was doing throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs, like you get on the the, the biggest stage in the finals and somebody who, who scoring is his thing. He averages 21 and a half points a game. Like I say, he had, even had they won, he might not have gotten the, the, the finals MVP, even though no, he did was, average was, seven uh, assists and six rebounds. Seven assists for Jason Tatum is good because Jason Tatum has never really been known as a playmaker. But you can't, you can't turn into a playmaker at the expense of your offense when the team needs you to dominate scoring-wise, to win. So you can't, you know, that can't be the, the butt for anybody who's supporting Jason Tatum blindly. You can't be like, well, you averaged seven assists. Where did you, y'all said y'all wanted him to do more. No, we want him to add that to his game, not subtract what he's best at to do this. That's what the best do. The best still going to give you that 30 that you're used to getting from them, and their playmaking is going to go up in the process. Your, your, your yeah. scoring average Can I, can't go down this much. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a smoke. question about Let me ask you, because we know who he shot 36.7% from the field. He's trash. Let me, let me, we know who his <laughs> hero is. We know, what, we know whose poster he worships. He got a, he got a 
He practices idolatry to the bull. But yo, I don't. Is it is it even in there? I don't know. Is it? Is I don't it, know because a lot because a lot of dudes who who worship at the altar of Kobe, at least they talk like it's in there. They talk like they expect, you know, Kobe to talk. But but that's a good question. Like, all right, the talk is in there because y'all know what you have to say to appear to be like Mamba, but are you really? And, you know, some of them dudes have proven that eh, maybe that's not the case. We saw Devin Booker, who's a Kobe disciple, kind of, not I'm not going to say disappear, but kind of falter a little bit on the biggest stage. Now we've Yo. seen Tatum, you know. Your man's airballs. If, Tatum's if airballs. You got to be that all the time. So Tatum's airballs look really bad. Like, they weren't. They weren't Kobe's seventeen-year-old. I'm just too confident, but I'm tired. Airball. They were. Yo, please get this gorilla off. You, me. you, you know what I heard a lot of um, during his finals performance. A lot of comparisons were made to you know somebody that I like, but but I see where the comparisons came from. They George, were comparing him that? to Paul George. They're like, yo, yeah, uber talented, can do it with. Anybody on any level, but when he's at his best, it's like, yo, this dude is one of the top five players in the league. But when he's not at his best, you're like, yo, what is this dude doing? And I was like, all right, I'm a fan. Well, we don't fan anymore. But I'm a supporter, definitely a supporter, and have been an apologist. But I can see where they're coming from with that comparison. Tatum. But uh, you're going to be texting my dad homie. You got you got to do him better than that. <laughs> you you can't be talking to the to the ghost and and then go out there and do this when you had a chance for buddy. All right, but shout out again to the Golden State Warriors. We spent way more time on that than we planned. Uh, more NBA stuff though. They say Bradley Beal has made his decision. The only thing is he's keeping it quiet. Um, I don't know until when, but he's made his decision on what he's going to do. Now, we know Bradley Beal has a $36.4 million player option for the upcoming season. He can decline that in hopes of signing with another team, or he could sign a new five-year, $246 million Supermax contract with the Washington Wizards. Now, Bill's history of kind of trying to hold the line and stay loyal to the Wizards has me thinking this might be a lot, you know, to do about nothing. Because it's hard to see somebody walking away from that kind of bread. But at the same time, we know his wife, you know, throughout the years have been chirping about the Wizards and not doing right by him as far as what they put around him and all that kind of stuff. So we know that there's at least a discussion in the household. Maybe Brad Bill, what he tells us, maybe that's not the real. Maybe he's saying what he's saying to look like the good guy and letting his wife be the bad guy. Uh, a la, uh, what, what's the ball, the former, the corner from the, used to play for the Dolphins. <laughs> and, who used to yeah, say all the right stuff, more. but sometimes we thought, okay, maybe he's letting his wife be the bad cop and say what he really means 
while still looking like a stand-up guy. That might be Bradley Beal. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people are interested. Uh, we hear the 76ers are interested in Beal. Um, we hear the Miami Heat are interested in Beal. We hear the Boston Celtics are interested in Beal. Um, a lot of people think they have the inside track because he and Tatum are both from St. Louis. Tatum kind of looks at Bradley Beal as a, a semi-old head. Um, so that could be a possibility there. Whatever it is, he's not telling. So what do you think? What do you think he might be leaning towards, B? He might. You think he might be leaning towards that five-year 246 with the Wizards? Staying in, you know, purgatory as far as winning is concerned? Or do you see him maybe forcing a sign and trade? Because if you do that, you can still get your Supermax if he forces some team to, you know, if he signs the Supermax and forces somebody to make the deal that way. At the same time, I think another team would be like, well, Brad, can you take a little less? We're trying to build a championship team here. So what do you think he's leaning towards? That 240. That <laughs> 246 is hard to pass up, man. Five years. I don't care what his wife, his wife going to continue chirping, but she's not walking away from that 240. That's a quarter billion. She's going to continue chirping. She's going to continue shopping. <laughs> Quarter. My man is a quarter of a way to a billion. That's for that's forty nine point two million dollars per season. Dog. That is forty nine million dollars per season. That is very hard to walk away from. I'd be a wizard for life, dog. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, man. Because like like we were trying to tell Rob when he called in last week, like, don't have these teams and these players fool you as if winning is the most important thing. Once you get to a certain level, it gets important because once you have the money, you know, then your legacy becomes important. Yo. But don't for one minute <laughs> Yo. think that this is not a difficult you know, decision. <laughs> don't for one you minute. You know, I'm a, I'm, a highly, I'm a highly competitive person, and I love winning. I think winning is, winning is everything. But I can tell you right now, if they offered me but if I could lose, a quarter, a quarter billion, a quarter billion, I would have Jerry Jones' entire family tattooed on my back, and I would walk around in a Cowboys helmet with a Cowboys pads on 365 days of the year if Jerry Gerald offered me a quarter billion. And I would smack every Eagles fan I ran across for a quarter billion. I tattoo an L on my neck. You asked me to. <laughs> I tattoo an L right on my neck. But yeah, so yeah, that, that's definitely going to be difficult to walk away from. And and for those that don't know, man, the theme of our show this evening is financial literacy because a lot of stories that we're going to talk about, you know, is is related to financial literacy and recent decisions that professional athletes have made that either shows you that they are somewhat financial literate or they aren't financial literate. So just keep that in mind as we cycle through some of the things um, that we're going to talk about this evening. Uh, Speaking of that, (laughs) of that theme, John Wall of your Houston Rockets has decided 
that he's going to opt in to his extension. Now, a lot of people was thinking, all right, well, Houston is in the middle of their rebuild, so they grabbed John Wall, even though he's making all of this money, and they asked him to sit out so they could lose as many games as possible. They're not going to play him, so they're expecting John Wall to either keep, keep trying to force a trade or to accept a buyout. John Wall said, nah, I am going to opt in to this last year of my contract, and you guys are going to pay me, even if you're still paying me to sit on the bench and not play basketball for a living, you're going to pay me my $47.4 million on my player option for next season. In my opinion, this is a very financial literate move because checkmate, now the ball is in your court, um, Houston Rockets. Like, what are you going to do? It's going to be hard as hell to try to trade that contract. But at the same time, it wouldn't be as hard as it was last season because it is an expiring contract. So, you know, you know, a lot of teams, even when it's crazy, like to take on expiring contracts because whether it works out or not, you can get that contract off your book and you have a ton of cap space going into the next season. So it's possible that this move could speed up a trade somewhere. You know, maybe they get John Wall, who might be fresh since he ain't played ball in like six years. <laughs> maybe you can get John Wall oh, over in, in Lakerland to help LeBron out. Yeah, because John been, Wall will send you a, a YouTube video to show you what it is. Man, he's been so, talking on YouTube. What, what are your thoughts on this money move, this money decision? Should um, he have accepted some type of buyout? Should he have not exercised his his uh, option and went on the free on the open market. Where, where do you grade this move? Right. Here's the thing. Um, I, I give first of all, I give a move an A. I give a move an A, not an A plus, but I give it an A. And here, here's the thing. I don't know what he listened to and what the Houston Rockets proposed buyout was. I don't know if it was if it was. 30, what's he making, 45? 47.4. It's under 40, I ain't listening. John Wall is how, John Wall is 30? <laughs> oh, you talking about his age? Yeah. Seemed like he would be 30? so much older. Seemed like he ain't played in so long. But uh, John Wall well, is 31 years of age. He will be 32 in September. So when the season next season starts, he'll be freshly thirty two years old. Nah. Yeah, he did the right he did the right thing. He did the right because <laughs> I would have I would have I would have I would have um I would have only I would have only taken a buyout if it was within ten million of the original number mm-hmm. and I would have had to have been thirty years old or younger, or younger. At 32, with his injury history and the way he plays, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big John Wall supporter. You know that. Like, I, I bang with John Wall. I think he can play. I think he's, he's more of a traditional point guard than a lot of these guys in, in this day and age. I think Ja can pattern his game after, after uh, John Wall minus the injuries. Hopefully, Ja has his own little injury issues. I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big supporter. Excuse me. 
But at two, I can only give John Wall another three years of quasi-prime play. Quasi-prime play. I think in another... Because the injuries have already taken him out. Taking something out of... Absolute prime play. Yeah. Like, I can only say in the next three years, if John Wall maximizes his talent, you're going to see two, maybe two all-star appearances and one all-NBA. And at 35, north of 35, I think he, he I'm not going to say he falls off a cliff, but the decline becomes more pronounced, even if he's even able to come back from the Achilles that he suffered, right? Now, nuance, nuance, and I, I, I learned this from the genius who is Gilbert Arenas, the leg that John Wall injured is not the leg that he jumps off of, and John Wall is a one-footed jumper. He's not a two-footed jumper. Now, why is that important? Because John Wall likes to get downhill, come at you fast, and he jumps off of one leg. Gilbert claims that John Wall isn't going to lose more than 5%, 5, 10% of what he was. Do I believe that? Eh. But I like the theory, and the theory makes sense. It does make sense. It does make sense. The problem yeah. is John Wall's entire game was predicated off of athleticism. Uh, it wasn't that's like what I was about to say. Highly, Definitely. Some highly skilled player, like, he's going to have to develop a more than serviceable jumper now. He's going to have to play cerebral. He's going to have to – I'm rooting for him, and I believe there's an outside chance he could come back and be somewhat of the John Wall we remember, and I'm rooting for that. But back to the money. That being the case, at 32 years old, he got to take that damn near 50 million out. You got to, because you know why? The crazy part is, it's hard to get a trade form with the 47 plus left on his deal. The only thing, had he taken a buyout, John Wall would get interest mm-hmm. from from good teams instantly, immediately, because they know, all right, he's out of that contract now. We can offer him what we's gonna, what we're gonna offer him. But when that happens, it's going to take him another three seasons to earn $47 million. Maybe, you know, two and a half, three seasons to, to, to make $47 million at what those offers are going to come in at. So you, you can't pass that well, up. No, playing, and it's one of those playing, things like, all right, Houston, if y'all put me on the bro. court, you know, maybe we can get these deals popping. You put me on the court and let people see what I can do. And you talked about his jump shot, like – at this point, when you miss this kind of time, if you don't come back with a wet jumper, then what the hell were you doing all this time that you miss? Because that's what you can work on, you know, when you're not even when you don't even feel like running up and down the court and doing a bunch of athletic stuff. You can go in and shoot a thousand a day. You know what I mean? Shit, shit. Um, I'm still working on my jumper. <laughs> right. That's about all I do because I ain't trying to. <laughs> Go outside. I ain't. I ain't trying to run around. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing nothing else. Um, no, great, great point. Because I, I'll be honest, and and we can again break this down in the context of money. If John Wall is a normal human being, and the injuries have robbed him, and he's just a quote unquote regular NBA player, I pay him five million mid-level exception. 
if he's above that but not quite what we were used to, I pay him $10 million a season. Yeah. If he's I, I, everything I think, that I think he is, I mm-hmm. give him 15 to 16. So to your point, even on the way I look at business, he still can't make that one season up in the next three years. And when he's looking at the marketplace and trying to get all the money he can, he's probably thinking, yo, I should at least get $25 million a season. I was about to say that. But, but if you think about what they're paying people. I know. Like John Wall opts out still might be able to get 15 to $20 million a season just because of where the market is right now. Dude's about to get $50 million out here. John Wall going to justify, like, Duncan Robinson making, like, 20 a season. And he Yo. couldn't even break the, the, the rotation Yo. in the playoffs. Yo. So, Yo. Yo. <laughs> he fooled them. Yo! They paid Duncan Robinson 70 mil. Yo. Some of these, some of, yo, yo, where my ski mask at, yo? Listen. My hoodie. Listen, I ain't going to give boy any more bars. P.J. Tucker is hitting the open market, and there are a lot of contenders that are clamoring for his service. Your Philadelphia Sixers being one of them. They're supposed to be one of the leaders in the clubhouse. Joel Embiid is backing it. Um, do you think that P.J. Tucker is being over? Or do you think the fact that everybody who considers themselves a contender should be in the P.J. Tucker's sweepstakes? <sighs> I, 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 I personally think there may be a little bit of an overvaluation I know, of P.J. Yeah, Tucker. I know how you feel. I know how but, you feel about Bo- Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it what, Bo- yeah, because, you know, mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker allegedly hits this three from the corner. That, for some reason, I've rarely <laughs> seen. Yo, real talk for, for a long time, I had never seen P.J. Tucker hit it. It seemed like every time I used to watch, like when he was with Houston, every time I used to watch a Houston game, I either turn away to watch another screen, turn the channel to watch something else, or fall asleep. Dev ain't never and, seen and I wake P. up in the chat score. talking about how P.J. Tucker is cooking from the corner. I'm like, yo, I've never seen it. Then, you know, I had to force myself. Yeah, I've seen him hit a few threes from the corner. I haven't seen P.J. being this lighted up, greatest corner shooter that ever lived that some people, you know, talk about. But um, I think he's being overvalued a little bit. But when you think of a team like the 76ers, Maybe not on their end because I can tell you firsthand that the 76ers have gone out in the second round for the last three seasons because of a lack of toughness. So if they can get somebody who's halfway considered tough, that's not going to get pushed around, that's not going to get punked in a big series, then by all means, go after P.J. Tucker. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, don't go out here and give P.J. Tucker Duncan Robinson money, though. Play yourself. <laughs> but he's going to give you defense. He's going to give you some toughness. He's going to make some faces at the other team. Um, <laughs> I guess he's going to hit a three from the corner every once in a while, so, which, so, is, which is more than Thibault is giving you at this moment. But I need, I need P.J. Tucker. I'm not mad Tucker at the pursuit. The- Just don't play yourself going after P.J. Tucker. I need him, I need him to come in the locker room. And I need him to take James Harden back out to the woodshed. I needed to get physical. I needed to be a no homo moment. 
and I need him to bring James Harden back in the locker room with a bloody lip but no real damage, and I need him to threaten James Harden throughout the course of the season yeah. in a way that's going to get start James with Harden James. to be productive. But I think if you're going to bring yeah. in a quote-unquote tough guy, I think this tough guy got to come in and line up the whole Sixers locker room. You just got to line them up. You no, all, like, all, you gotta do is smack, all you got to do is smack Joel one good time. He's going rem- he to remember Jimmy, and he's going to like you. Yeah. So I you mean, don't really got to worry about I, 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 I don't Joel foresee Joel. Tobias being there, so he might not have to beat Tobias up. But no, nah, he's going. He, he, he yeah, to, he, 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 he got to slap box with James. He got to slap box with, with, with uh, um, Joel. He would. Joel likes that. It sounds like Danny Green is going to be packaged and be out of there. It's I, I hear mixed things on Matisse Thibel. I keep hearing, you know, they still don't want to get rid of him, but if they have to, they will. They'll probably have to. So it might, you know, he you might know, not have to know, slap box for too many. You know, you might still have like a Shake Milton. You have to slap him up a little bit, even though Shake in the playoffs show more heart than James Harden way most more. of the time. Uh, you're going to have to slap up a Cork Miles because he's going to be there because nobody want Ferk. Um, so yeah, it's like you know, the roster is is a bit soft, and you, and you have to do what you what you got to do. When you have a roster, and your biggest tough guy in the last five to six years was Mike Scott, Jimmy, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. No, Jimmy, Jimmy was. Well, a yeah, yeah, we did, guy. we did have Jimmy. We did have Jimmy. For, I'm talking for a couple about of role playing, role playing tough. Let me, guys. Add, let you me need, ask you a question. You need role playing tough guys too. You need a Jimmy at the top, but sometimes yeah. Jimmy, your top guy, being that tough guy. As we've seen in many places, it kind of rubs folks the wrong way. So you, you know, that's why you, know you kind of need it from veterans who are role players because they're like, all I right, he you. can go this hard, I can go hard. A UD, you need a UD, but, you know, go uh, pound. But, nah. you know, let me, let me ask. Let me ask this. And, you know, I'm a, I said, I'm a, I said, I'm a, I said a tough guy role player, B, not a tough guy cheerleader with hair on his chest. <laughs> Not a mascot. Yo, you D, you D listen to the he listened to the pod, brother. So we gonna have to. No, I mean I'm cool with it because I don't think you're really that tough. Um, UD ain't, UD look, ain't played a role since like 2005. <laughs> like, I said he I'm, ain't I'm played cool. a role. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, so we can hurry up and move on. Um, you know, PJ for me, Tucker it's gonna boil. On it's gonna boil down to one. I got one. I got one question. How much money? How much money are we talking? Yeah. What type of bread are we talking? About? That's what the corner three. the corner that, 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 and that's the thing. That's what I'm like. You can go after PJ. I see the value. Play yourself. And I think there's so many people who call themselves contenders after PJ Tucker. I mean, he's he he'll only be opting out of a 7.4 million dollar player option with the Heat. So it's like, yeah, if you can keep that under $10 million, all right, let's go get P.J. But the fact that there's several contenders like, yo, we need a P.J. Tucker, million, I think people million, are going to start getting a little stupid. $10 million per season? I said 10 under. per season. Yeah, because he's oh, opting out of 7.4. When you opt out of 7.4, it's because you think you can get more than 7.4. And with contenders, three or four contenders saying we're interested in P.J. Tucker, he's probably going to end up getting $10 million. But don't get into a bidding war for PJ Tucker is what I'm trying to say. Then you're playing. I was to, if PJ wants to come to, to your team, then he's going to take a decent salary to come to your team. But if PJ says, "Hey, I wouldn't mind going to any of these four or five places," so I'm going to let these dumbass bid. I'm not bidding. Yeah. I'm not getting in a bidding war for PJ Tucker. PJ can roll. So we, 
so I take back everything that I said. I'm I'm out because I was thinking that he just would want to put food on his family, but he wants more than putting food on his family. I was only going to let him put food on his family, and that's seven mil a season. Three right. years even, even Scavy's saying he minutes. like PJ is 37, man. FOH, draft the kid from Duke. What kid from Duke you talking about? Uh, put that in the, the chat. Big, the, um, big slew-foot, the big slew-footed ball. I mean, can't, he can't be talking about good. Banchero because Banchero going top three. So the Sixers ain't got a chance to, if he's talking about the Sixers. He might just be talking about anybody who think about PJ. <laughs> but I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody in the top three of the draft is thinking about PJ Tucker. Like, why would they need a PJ Tucker? You got to think that, you know, PJ is going to help you get over, you know, get to the conference finals or get to the finals to be, to be interested in PJ. So if you're talking about the kid from Duke, then nah, Sixers ain't got a shot at that. But if you, if, if there's somebody else from Duke that you're thinking about, you know. Let us know who you're talking about. Let us know. Um, Let us know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he's talking about Banchero. Yeah, like it's real easy no. to say, forget PJ, draft a kid from Duke. How the hell the Sixers going to draft a kid from Duke? They got the 23rd pick. <laughs> Dude is going yeah. one, two, or three. So, yeah, it's not not, not happening. Um, sounds good, though. <laughs> if we could just yeah. draft the kid from Duke, we would be drafting the kid from Duke. Um. All right, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that happens. So, th- so speaking of drafting the kid from Duke, let's spend a few minutes on the NBA draft, uh, like we usually do in the past, you know, ten years or so. We usually have one of our draft experts on. Uh, we're not doing that this evening. We're just gonna spit a couple bars on our own. Um, mm-hmm. The NBA draft is tonight, I believe, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, your draft order, let me just give you the, the, the top ten of mm-hmm. the, the draft order, the NBA draft. You got Orlando Magic at one, OKC at two, the Rockets at three, who most likely will end up with the aforementioned Banchero. Uh, you got the Kings at four, the Pistons at five, the Pacers at six, the Blazers at seven, the Pelicans fly, Pelicans at eight, the Spurs at nine, the Washington Wizards at 10. Um, teams that we're interested in, I mean, if anybody's interested in the Knicks, they have the 11th pick. Um, our Philadelphia 76ers have the 23rd pick, um, which might be a pick that's it could be on the move. The Sixers claim they want to hold on to it, but they have a lot of deals for veterans that they want to make. And if somebody says, we need you to come up off that pick. I believe um, Maury and Elbrand are going to easily come up off that pick because we need somebody that can help now. Not saying that they can't find somebody at 23 that can help now, but if a, if a more of a sure thing, you know, comes out because they don't really have time for projects because Joel Embiid's prime is going to be dwindling away in front of their face and he's going to be asking to be traded. So, I have a feeling they're going to be coming up off that pick, whether it's before they make it or after they make it. I have a feeling they're going to be coming up off that. Um, so, so we top three. Top mm-hmm. three kinds that seem to be set in stone. B is going to be some mixture of Jabari Smith Jr., uh, the the white boy Hatcher, Chet Holmgren, or Duke's Paolo 
Banchero. And we're, we're kind of who, who, they're, they're leaning towards Jabari Smith um, as the number one pick. It's not consensus, but if there was anything in this particular draft close to consensus, consensus, people think the Magic might go for the for, forward out of Auburn. Six foot ten, two hundred twenty pounds, nineteen year old freshman. Um, then we got uh, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, forward center, 7 feet, 190 pounds, 20-year-old freshman. We've seen Chet Holmgren and his YouTube videos for, for years, even you know going back to his high school days. Because at 7 foot, his race matters, being a white boy, he has a lot with his game. You know, he's like the... At, at, when you have those kind of skills, you know, everybody wants to compare you to Kevin Durant at some point. Same, you know, Imani Bates, Chet Holmgren, all the the new crop of of Kevin Durant, and of course, um, at at three maybe somewhere in that top three, maybe the Rockets will go for the forward from Duke, Paolo Bancaro, Bancaro six foot ten, two hundred fifty pounds, nineteen year old freshman as well. So mm-hmm. that's going to be your top three. You have any thoughts of? what the order is going to be of those top three. After that is where it gets a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Jabari is going, Jabari is going one, uh, mm-hmm. just based on talent and ability. Like he really has no honest, no weakness in his game. Like literally mm-hmm. there's no weakness in the game. You might want to see him rebound a little bit more, but because of what he does on the wing, it kind of keeps him away from the position of board too heavy. But I, I, I think he's, I think he's something different. Like, I don't yeah. like the, the first the team all SEC and freshman of the year. Yeah, he's something different. He's something <laughs> different. Um, and, and I don't like the comparisons to the Slim Reaper because we're never going to see a, a a bigger troll or a bigger uh, Twitter presence than Kevin Durant. With the type of game that he has, so, uh, so you don't think you don't think so, Chet you don't think Chet Holmgren gonna be the the white Chet, reaper? Chet Chet is Chet, <laughs> Chet is up there. I'm coming to him. I'm, I'm he's a shot to blocker him. too, though. Because you know, he's, he's number two. He's going he's going number two. If nothing else, then race matters in the U.S. And you got to <laughs> capture a certain demographic. And he's got the complexion for the connection. I know. I think he has the game. How about to say, Borgen Ball, though? I don't know if it's going to translate to the NBA level, but Borgen Ball. No, I think he he got the game. He's more athletic than Dirk Nowitzki. Um, He grew up in this era. He's a a five-tool player. He can can put it on. He can off the bounce. He can pull up. He can catch and shit. He can do everything. He can post up a little bit. He needs to gain some weight. But what did we learn? Y'all made fun of Kevin Durant for only being able to lift 100. And he came in the league and bust y'all ass. So I believe that that doesn't matter that much. You're going to get your grown man strength. He's nice. And he don't mind telling you that he's nice. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not one to knock confidence. I like my, my, my superstars and stars, even young stars, to come with a little bit of cockiness. Man, if you don't believe in you, then how are they going to believe in you? So right. I, I, I don't mind it. All minded. Um, followed out by uh, Bolognese, Chichichero, whatever his name is. <laughs> Italian 
uh, black boy that don't really identify as being black other than his hair and his nose. Um, his mammy wanted him to be Italian, so he's Italian. He can hoop. He can hoop. He's a big boy. Um, in today's yeah, he, NBA, he got a nice mix. Becomes, Skill, power. He can pass the ball. Skill, power. Offensively, you know who he honestly reminds me of? A, a little bit bigger. That's quick. Uh, Michael Beasley. Maybe I'm saying that because of the complexion. But, that's, good. that's a good comparison. Offensively, man, he's tough. Yo, he can do it all from everywhere. Defensively, right. who does he guard? Because offensively, I can play him inside or outside. Defensively, I feel like he, he's, his feet aren't quick enough to play outside. He right. got to play on the block. But just just thinking offensively, because, you know, that's what the league thinks of 90% of the time. Like, right. if he falls to three and, you know, mm. you could put him on Houston with a Jalen Green, Ooh. like, can you imagine mm. the possibilities, you know, of, of their offense, how kind of versatile they can be as far as trying to score the ball? Um, They're going to be young, dumb, and gunning. Yeah, that, that, that'll be kind of interesting. So those should be. The top three. I mean, it'll be yeah. one of those things, though, because, you know, like you said, Jabari Smith is as close to in this draft to being the consensus number one pick. You don't hear anybody arguing against it right now, but as soon as one of these other guys turn out to be better than him, everybody going to act like they were Jesus. I told them they should have took such and such. So, you know, oh, yeah. you hear it with the, with the Tatum fault thing. Like, I don't ever remember – and, and 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 he had every reason for people to do that. Like when Markel Fultz came out, dude, like he led a Washington team that didn't make the tournament. Like there's a reason for that. Same thing with Ben Simmons. He led an LSU team that didn't make the tournament, but when he was when they were the consistent number one pick, you didn't hear anybody arguing against it. Now that they've become yeah. what they've become, and somebody else, not really the case in Ben's draft yet. But somebody else in Markel's draft has become like a top ten, you know, looking to be a top five player in the league. Then everybody was a genius that night. And they got fleeced. Yeah. And they shouldn't have done this. And they shouldn't have done that. But we didn't hear that when it happened. You know what I mean? Hindsight yeah. always twenty twenty. With your man, with the old ball coach from um, the old ball coach from Washington, Steve Spurrier, when he was there, old Steve ball Spurrier. coach. What would he say? Hindsight is fifty fifty. <laughs> He talking about. One man said hindsight is fifty fifty. So, so we'll see how it plays out. So the rest of the top ten maybe should round out uh with names maybe like uh Keegan Murray from uh Iowa, six eight, two twenty five, twenty one year old sophomore, uh nice, Jaden Ivy a guard from Purdue, six four, two hundred Mitchell Park twenty year old sophomore, uh Benedict uh, Mathurin, shooting guard from Arizona, 6'6", 210, 19-year-old sophomore. Uh, Dyson Daniels, um, he could play the guard and the forward, 6'7", 195 pounds, uh, age 19, mm-hmm. might be. And, and, and he, went, he went the G League route. He didn't even go to college. He went the G League route. He, he played with the G League uh, Ignite. So, um he might be one of those sure. players in this quote unquote positionless NBA that could that could come in and shine. Uh Shaden Sharp who? Dyson. shooting guard from Kentucky. from Kentucky. Yeah, I'm talking about Dyson Daniels. 
because um, he's six yeah. seven and can play forward and guard. So you can okay. just throw him out there and let him play ball. Um, another What's your position, son? Hooper. Right, Hooper. Uh, Johnny Davis, shooting guard, Wisconsin. Like cats like that. Jalen Duran, uh, center from Memphis. Um, Jeremy Sokan, forward from Baylor. These are the guys that 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 have a chance to round out. Uh, the top ten in tonight's draft. Uh, I don't have any particular, you know, usually when we talk to our draft guys, we can ask them for, like, bold predictions, and somebody can tell us that, yeah, such and such, you might end up being uh, 20, anywhere from 21 to 20 to 24 is going to be the steal of the draft, and <laughs> bold predict- predictions like that. The only bold prediction, and it's not mine, that I I've heard is that the New York Knicks might try to make a play to trade up from 10 to grab Chet Holmgren um, early in the draft. But they didn't learn a lesson because didn't they, you know, didn't they draft uh, your man at a spot that people Nick thought was, was was too high? My man Stats. And that didn't Nick end up Max. working out for him. So it looked like it was going to work out for, for a while. Phil looked like a genius for about a season and a half. And then, you know. Uh, that, that that was all she wrote. So let me see what's going on. See what's going on in the chat room before we move on. Oh, uh, Skyview said, "Where are the Bulls? The Bulls are picking at number 18. Uh, a lot of mock drafts lot have them getting somebody like Jake Laravia, uh, or let me see, 18 Bulls." Or uh, the the shooting guard from Can- Kansas, Akbaji. I don't know how to pronounce all these dudes' names. Six five, two fifteen, twenty two year old senior. Um, cats like that. They had him falling uh, to the Bulls. They said the Bulls have been exploring trade options using this pick, and are also said to be shopping people like Kobe White, who was a former lottery pick. So we'll see, and we're going to talk to a Bulls fan in just a minute when we get Tobias on the line anyway. So we'll see what his uh, thoughts are on what his Chicago Bulls <laughs> are going to end up doing in tonight's draft. So let me see what we got here before we do end up going to the to the to the lines. Let me see what else we got on the docket that we want to want to get out of the way before we do that. Um, our stat of the week, um, and this came from, shout out to Tobias, our stat of the week came from Tobias. He let us know earlier in the week that Michael Jordan entered the league. We know Michael Jordan entered the league in 1984, but didn't play with his first All-Star until 1990. That's when Scottie Pippen made his first All-Star game. The 1990 and 1995 seasons are the only seasons in which Michael Jordan played with another all-star on the Bulls and did not win the NBA title. So besides those two years, every year Mike played on the Bulls with another all-star, he won the championship. So 90 and 95 were the only times that he played with another all-star. Because, you know, everybody likes to talk about, oh, what might Mike do until Pippen came Pippen came, you know, a minute before he actually became good. And when Mike got somebody else that was good, it was pretty much all she wrote. 1990 was Pippen's first year. So you're like, all right, he's not fully there yet. 1995, they didn't win the title because that's the year Mike came back 
you know, more than halfway through the season, and they ended up losing to the Orlando Magic. So Pippen's first year and Mike coming back, you know, trying to get his legs under him were the only times during that run that they didn't win championships. And for everybody who's trying to discredit Mike these days, which is a weird flex for me, just, you know, if, if they, they try to say people, oh, that's an excuse, like he came back, they still didn't win. All right, but what did they do for the next three years when he got a full summer and a full training camp under his belt in the full season? 1996 would have been one of the greatest years you've seen from a player and a team. Yeah, so shout out to that. Uh, A couple of quick NFL stories, and then we're going to go to the phone lines, man. Your man Gronk is dropping the mic once again. He's re-dropping the mic. He says he's retiring. Um, Do you believe he's done this time? I do because Tom Brady's still there. And he's not pressed to go back and stay with Tom. I think Gronk is really hanging it up this time. I think he might have been coerced last time. Gronk is a party dude. So I think, you know, he's cool with his life. I think he was kind of coerced. Um, probably gave some some peer pressure from Tom Brady, like, yo, let's do this again. Came back at work. They ended up getting another Super Bowl out of it. So I believe him this time. So shout out to Gronk. Real quick, we're not going to have a conversation on it. Where does Gronk rank? All time amongst tight ends, is he the greatest? Uh, top three, he's definitely top three. Um, I, I just feel like he didn't have the longevity. Like when I when uh, I mean, even though tight ends don't get credit for championships, like do won a lot of them and was a big part you know, of in them. the playoffs. So does that put him over something different? Does that put him over a Tony Gonzalez? Yo, Tony played 17 years, missed two <laughs> games, and made like 15 Pro Bowls. <laughs> Tony was that guy. He was that Yo, guy. Yo, I feel disrespectful. Like, I believe Gronk is, is probably one. He's probably the greatest thing I've seen at tight end, like, like physically. Yo, he's something different. But right. as far as doing it, like and and consistently just just monster balling, yo. Tony is Tony, Tony Gonzalez is had more and was required to have more skills than a dude like Gronk. Yeah. Gronk was a Sasquatch. So yeah. where he lacked in the skill department, where he lacked in the on the route tree department. Yeah, he 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 made Gronk, up for yo, it in Sasquatch department. Gronk, it don't matter if I, I can run this Gronk route great or not because you can't. Gronk never ran a route. Right, ran I'm out, too yo, strong. Go out, get open. I'm I'm too big. You can't jump got with great me. Great hands. Right, great right. hands. <laughs> but that matters, you know. Production is all that matters at the end tell of the day. You, tell so tell I, you I what makes you, you to a, to a definitive answer because I don't have one. So tell you what makes it makes a difference too, though. No, Gronk was a hell of a blocker, yo. Yeah, he definitely was a hell of a blocker. Nobody like really mind in today's NFL. I'm talking 2020, maybe 2020 and past that. Nobody really care about that from the tight end. But it was important yo, at one point. Gronk was cool with blocking. Um, it hurt, yo, Travis, because Tra- Travis Kelsey trying to come get all them records. Mm-hmm. He trying to come get all because Gronk, Gronk, where where I want to give Tony credit, right? Did everything in the playoffs. And Tony didn't do anything in the playoffs right. compared to Gronk. So 
Travis is coming for that for that crown. Shannon Sharp for me is probably number five or six. That's my guy. You know, shout out to he, uh, Keith Jackson and Algernon Crumpler, and, uh, <laughs> and that's it. And Tony All right. In in sad news out of the NFL, man, it's been a terrible week. Man, it was a terrible day because it happened on the same day. A terrible day for the Baltimore Ravens. They lost their franchise. Lost two players. One active yeah. linebacker, uh, Jalen Ferguson, dies at the age of 26. And Damn. same day, Tony Saragusa dies at age 55. Um, Yo. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, um, man, they did, you know, at, at 11.25 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, Baltimore police said officers responded to a home in the northern district of the city where they found Ferguson unresponsive and being treated by medics. He never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead on the scene um, by medics. They said there was no signs of trauma and no foul play was suspected at the time. But since Tuesday, uh, it's been like a, eh, well, we're still, you know what I mean? It's been a little bit of a, we're still Backtrack. trying to figure that out. Walk that back a little bit. Going on, yeah, they, yeah like, like a half step back on that. So they're still trying to figure out um, how how uh, Jalen Ferguson died. And if we're late on this, if anybody's heard anything else since the, the, the show has been on, um, let us know. Um, like I said, Tony Saragusa, whether you loved him on the field or not, because he was a big part of that Ravens, that 2000 Ravens defense that a lot of people think might be the greatest defense of all time. Uh, you know, he was a, he was a pretty good very good defensive tackle. Um, he's, he died this week at the age of 55. And if you didn't know Goose from his playing days, then you might have certainly known him as a sideline reporter um, on Fox NFL. Um, so he was he was a, a vital piece in the middle of that Ravens, that historic defense. Yes, sir. Kept, kept um, the dirt off of Ray Lewis for sure. Right. So, Peter Bowen. <laughs> Rest in peace to the to the goose, man. A lot of his former teammates have come out and, and spoken this week, and they're kind of like devastated by that because not only was he a great player, life of the party, like a lot of people. Right, he was like the life of the party type dude, and a lot of people, um, like like uh, Sarah Goosa. Um, I'm not even sure. I didn't, I didn't even read about how he All died. Cause of death. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's 55. He was big. I don't know, you know, what his health situation was. So uh, rest in peace to to Tony and a shout-out. Uh, condolences to his loved ones as far as – as well as uh, uh, Jalen Ferguson's uh, loved ones as well. All right. Our stat of the week – I'm sorry, our quote of the week. And this is, you know – this plays again to our theme of the evening, uh, <laughs> financial literacy, and this speaks to the positive side of financial literacy. And our quote of the week comes from uh, another former Baltimore Raven. He even had quotes this week about Tony Saragusa passing and Jalen Ferguson passing. But the quote that stood out to me this week, um, since we had the NFL draft, a couple of months ago, you know, we're going through 
the off-season stuff and people are starting to ramp it up and, and get into the building and, and see what some of these rookies can do. Uh, we had a quote from former Raven Tory Smith, and the quote reads, Rookie dinners are BS. I'm glad I had an OG that realized teaching me to blow money is stupid. It does not prove you belong on a team. Shout out to Anquan Bolden. Dudes coming to the league with no financial literacy and real problems, but folks think $50,000 dinners are cool. Nah. I cannot say I disagree with them. We've known, like, the NFL hazing rituals where, you know, they make a, a, a high – high-priced rookie, because you can't do this for some of the rookies. They're fighting for their lives and might not be getting a decent paycheck. Yeah, they, they, might they not look at a the rookie that got a good, nice chunk of change. Bonuses, right. Yeah. The high-profile rookies, and they're making the rookie buy the whole team dinner. So mm-hmm. he makes a great point. Like, who are you and what are you doing as an old head for you to make one of the first things you do to a player – is to make him do something stupid with his money. And we all know NFL money is not the same as NBA money. It's not the same as MLB money. It is not the same as football, soccer money, international soccer money. So to to have somebody come out and spend 50 to 100K on a dinner and y'all ordering all kind of stuff just as a hazing ritual, it's stupid. And it's very irresponsible. You know, for a, a, yeah. a league that sees this a lot with players who are still in the league broke and having to do stuff they don't want to do for money. So what's your thoughts on, on yeah. this, Coach? You agree with that? Or you say no, the hell with that? I, it's I, tradition I, to haze these cats. Haze them. Um, agree with him. And I feel like if you want to, you know, you want to sun your young boys a little bit, there's other ways to uh, to do that, you know, duct tape them up and and drop them in the ice tub, you know, um, you know, make them clean the make urine, them make, them, make them get, make them carry bags, make them get Krispy Kreme donuts, you know, for for the for the for the, for the squad that ain't gonna be fifty thousand for the whole season. Yeah. I mean, because Krispy Kreme ain't gonna break him, but a fifty thousand yeah. dollar dinner, bad yeah. move. A man got to put food on his family, and y'all trying to get him to spend fifty on. On some lobster, some yeah. lobster. <laughs> yeah. So I think I see it both ways, but I lean more towards Tory and what he's saying as being the right, you know, the right way and the right thing. All right. So before we wrap it up and tell y'all what happened, while y'all were on the grind, we're going to go to the phone lines. We got the homie Tobias waiting on the line, calling from out Arizona. What up, Tobias? Roll damn tide. What the guan? Roll tide? What the hell took y'all so long? We talking. We busy. Yeah, <laughs> like, God, I'll just blow me eight. All right, Stephen A's. Yeah. All right, Plus, man. I mean, y'all you know, ain't yelling like them, though. We, we, we've learned these days that we got to get 90% of our topics out of the way because, you know, you're going to come on and just <laughs> – you It's you like you did, the, you did the outline. Hey, right, 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 right. I like right. Fred. I, I like Fred <laughs> Purdue. I know what I'd be talking about when it comes to football. But, uh <laughs> – First things first, I know I saw it online, talking about Arch Manning, signed with Texas, good for him. Alabama already signed a quarterback. And all I got to say is that he's going to be a loser like his uncles and his daddy and his uh, granddaddy. But, uh, but 
But no, nah, but sometimes you gotta go what's best for you and stuff like that. And by the way, the folks that keep saying Nick Saban's scared, A and M's coming. Well, Texas A and M says Jimbo Fisher got their average recruit, average recruiting class ranking number four in the country, meaning that he can't coach his way out of a paper bag. But uh, you know, y'all talk about the NBA draft. Uh, Ty Washington, out of Kentucky, do need a backup point guard. Uh, and you also may take a swing at some athleticism on the wings of Jari Eason or, like, even a French guy if he drops Usman Jane. And, like, so sometimes you got to get some athleticism in there as well because we can't put out Javante Green out there no more, who's a six-foot-four power forward, and all he does is when he catches a ball, he looks to pass it. You can't have those guys in the league. And, and uh, I already know the answer to this, but for the listeners' pleasure, are you with – the notion of shopping Kobe White? Hell yeah, and Nicola Fuchs. <laughs> what the fuck his name is? Uh, I hey, I knew, I knew an entertaining answer was coming. That's why I had to, you know. Man, already you know, the year that we had the second worst record in the league. And, uh, and guess what we ended up getting? We could, I think that was the year we could have had Josh at number two. Well, we got Kobe White. That's right. Yeah, buddy. It was either that or it was the next year of Wendell Carter Jr. Either way it go, ah, you know what I'm saying. That's why you don't tank for the ping pong balls. But I think Jabari Smith should go number one. He's like 6'10", 220, can shoot, and he can fit in right there with Orlando, even though he went to that Cal College at Auburn. But, hey, he's still a good player. And I think Chet Holmgren going number two would be best for his career. Um, because, hold on, Tobias, Tobias, what are, what are the Bulls' plans uh, to bring Tony Snell back? <laughs> He's still in the league. I saw that. No, like, how the it's, – it's why you got to be 6'8". He's got to be tall. Up, they have good cardio. Uh, across the board. Yo, he, yeah, he was a first-round pick, two guy. people. He's yeah. a first-rounder. He's a yeah. first-rounder. Mind you, this Tony dude, is bold, bold, like bagging dude. Instagram models. <laughs> but, oh, man. But you, got, you look at it, and it's like, check going number two. And I, I just, I'm sorry. I can't go number one with a guy that, that makes olive oil look fat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kevin, 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 Kevin looked the same because way. Because what happens is, can't judge now, mind you, I have government. a gambling problem. Go ahead. No, I was saying can't judge a book by his cover. KD looked like that. Now look at him. But, see, I watched, the, I watched some college games, right, and I watched the tournament. Arkansas pushed him around. Now, I don't understand the NBA, but he don't have the frame to get bigger. And, uh, and like, this, this different competition got pushed around. Hell, he got pushed around by Alabama's basketball team. <laughs> you know, that's all I got to say. But, uh, yeah, it is Paolo. I think Paolo's good. Now, Houston <laughs> wants Paolo bad. You know, like he also is the Italian with the black hair, so he's pretty much Mike Tarico 2.0. But, you know, but but the NBA, what you show is that the problem with tanking the NBA is that because you're depending on a ping pong ball bouncing your way, but also these guys are coming in at 19. So you got to wait on these guys to develop. And you got and like the top three. He's thinking for guys that don't got know how to play yet. <laughs> yeah, cause 
think about this, right? Like the Lakers, right? All these hot hit, these hot take media swear Kyrie going to Lakers, and like they try to make every trade benefit LeBron James to change their philosophy. So instead of trying to, we will try to get free agents. Because who the hell's a free agent out there who changed life? But you have to draft and develop, and maybe be able to make a move. And uh, you know, and I, you know, I look desk up, and people keep saying Dunk Westbrook. I'm like, for who? <laughs> You're not getting anything good back. And, and like y'all thought, John Wall, John Wall wanted to play last year. The Rockets didn't want to play him. And why the hell would he not take that $47 million and take a buyout and be like Kimba Walker, Al Lee? Because John Wall would be barely able to get a mid-level exception if he opted out right now. And, and that's why that's another thing. Do, you take so your money. He has to get on the court. To show, like, hey, y'all can still give me this, but yeah, like we yeah. ain't seen John Wall play since I don't know, a long time. He will, he will actually be a good fit for the Boston Celtics. We ain't seen John Wall's play since before the uh, COVID got here. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't that was before the white in. He was in and out. That, that was before white people chucked the fence in July, January sixth. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but. And I, you know, he talk about the finals and stuff. Uh, man, he was watching it, and it's, I always say the playoffs explode, expose your flaws. And I hear all this stuff about this skill, this overwhelming skill, and you got a bunch of cats on Boston who can't dribble. You got a bunch of cats who can't do nothing. They got one, one move. And I think that will help them out. Like Jason Tatum got to get stronger. Jalen Brown got to get some stick of on his hands. Marcus Smart got to stop saying, I got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got this. Uh, but it shows also you need a bench because Boston's bench was shook. They were shook. I'm telling you, they were shook last week to get the finals. They they got nothing. And they were talking, because you have a window here. Because Giannis is, when Milton's coming back, you got to, Miami may make a move. Sometimes you might have to be aggressive and make a move. If Bill, he and Tatum are close, he may want to go there. You got to make it happen. You'll see, that's his, that's his, his homie. That's his homie. So, all right, man, because we're about to get the hell out of here. We should last thought. long enough, man. Oh, my <laughs> last thoughts is uh, all I got to say is, hey, Gronk had a heck of a career. Don't answer Tom Brady's phone calls. Your body's broken. Go ahead and call it great. You had your time. And, uh, and, and he, 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 to me, he's the best tight end ever because his blocking and his receiving. Even though the dude ran a six eight in a forty, but somehow he kept getting open. But uh, <laughs> you know, but he had a great career, and it's okay for him to shut it down. And oh yeah, one last thing, fellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Trevor Lawrence and all these other athletes who got paid in Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin. Look at those mm-hmm. salaries they end up getting. Hey, look, look, you guys look what you're doing. That's one of the next things we're going to talk about. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Roll time, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> Always. Um, by the way, uh, B, Kyrie Irving, sources say, if Kyrie can't reach an agreement to stay with the Nets, he has a list of teams he'd like them to consider on signing trades, including the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavericks, and 76ers. This is per Adrian Wojnarowski, <laughs> yeah, Kyrie. No, I would love I'm to cool. have Kyrie, but I'm cool. Right, right. Like I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I, 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 
Man, I would love to have Kyrie, but I am cool. Uh, we we just not we're not gonna do that, Kyrie. We're not even gonna do that. All right, so uh, let's talk about what happened this week. While y'all were on the grind, while you're on the grind is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. If you or your business needs a custom website, we'll call our homies if you need a dynamic professional and most of all, an affordable custom website so you don't have to go make some, you know, some rinky-dink raggedy website on your own. Uh, you need Digital Extreme Technologies to do that. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. And online presence is very important in today's world. Top quality Results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices and financing options are available. So this is what you do. You visit DigitalExtremeTech.com or call 267-205-4203. Again, that is 267-205-4203. And if you 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 want to get that discount that we spoke of, if you want to get that hookup, make sure you tell them that the homies over at War Room Sports sent you. All right. This week, while y'all on the grind, we don't have much for you. Like uh, Tobias just said, Trevor Lawrence, and this goes on our theme of financial literacy. Now, I wish the blueprint was here for this because I, I'm really interested to get his take on this one because Jimmy has long been a proponent of cryptocurrencies. However, that's kind of broad to say there are certain cryptocurrencies that Jimmy has long been a proponent of. Jimmy will definitely talk to you about the difference between a good coin and what he likes to call a shit coin. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what Trevor Lawrence invested in, but Trevor Lawrence uh, received his whole, I believe it was his signing bonus in cryptocurrency. It was a $24 million signing bonus. Since crypto is has taken a taken a hit recently, he has lost fifteen million dollars in that investment of getting his entire signing bonus, uh, his twenty four million dollars signing bonus last year in cryptocurrency. It's worth nine million dollars right now. I have a nice little investment, nowhere near the Trevor Lawrence levels in cryptocurrency, and my accounts have definitely gone south in comparison to where they once were. I'm not in a position to be upset about it. I'm going to go ahead and ride this out because I don't have nearly as much invested as some of these guys. And I guess, you know, when you do have, you know, money like some of these, hey, you ride that out too because if it goes back up to where it once was, like a good five years ago, when Bitcoin was hitting for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a coin, hey, it can it could be uh, a crazy windstorm. That wasn't that wasn't even five years ago, right? Um, here's the re- here's the reality. I mean, we're so going to laugh about so, it. So where does he fall on the financial literacy? Was this a bad um, investment? Like, and we're not how, just going to say a bad investment just because right now he's losing on it. How how old is how old is he? Um, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Is, he got twenty four. Twenty four, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I give I'm him a B. Right. I give him for that for that move. I give him a B plus. I give him a B plus. Now, the only advice that I would have given him is diversify, oh, young man. He's he's twenty two. Diversify. He'll be twenty three in October. Yeah. Yeah, he gets a B. He gets a B plus because 
Bitcoin, and I'm going to assume, I'm making an assumption, that it, he was paid in Bitcoin. Yeah. If he was I paid hope, in Bitcoin. I hope he wasn't paid in Dogecoin. In shitcoin. <laughs> um, <laughs> if he was paid in Bitcoin, Bitcoin will be back up above $50,000 within the next 18 months. Bitcoin will be above 80000 in the next 36 months. So really, it's only a matter of him holding on, right. being committed. Hold and on, I'm coming home. Shout out to Drake. The volatility, his, his new house album. The, vol- the volatility of the market. That and that's the thing, right? So, I don't like the fact that Bitcoin and some of the other coins are being toted as substitutes for substitutes for actual currency. Because right. the volatility in them is just too much for the average person or for even an, even a wealthy person to utilize it as more than a, a an investment that you're looking for appreciation. It moves around too much for you to be buying shit with. But if you're looking to use it as an investment, investments ebb and flow. They go up and down. So as long as he holds on, he'll get his value back. That's 24 that he, he got. Will be thirty-two. It'll be thirty-two at some point. We just gotta hold on. Just gotta hold on. I'm coming on. All right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you. Like you know, I give it maybe like a B for the lack of diversification. Now we're not saying you know we we, we don't know what all his money is hitting for. We don't know how his portfolio is diversified. I'm just talking about this this signing bonus. All right, don't put the whole 24 there. Let's put some of that into some other things if you want to invest your whole signing bonus. And you know, you know, when you made it, when you, you know, you're going to make a pretty penny when you can invest your whole signing bonus in anything because everybody in the NFL can't do that. But when you are the number one pick and you're kind of looked at as a can't-miss prospect, you're going to get that kind of money, signing bonus, salary, endorsements, and what have you to be able to play around with some things and invest your money to, if he, to if he, make if yourself he pans more viable out, in the future. If he, if he pans mm-hmm. out to be what they think he will be, twenty four yeah. million dollars will only be about a about two thirds of his one year salary in a few years. Right. And that's even if if cryptocurrency totally busts and it doesn't exist ten years from now, he'll be all right. Can't say that for everybody coming to the NFL. You 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 lose twenty four a lot of dudes like gonna be out on the Alexandria streets like like uh, Delante panhandling, but um, but uh, he he'll be all right uh, either way. Um, sometimes that's sometimes it the you know your situation determines whether something was a good investment or not. Because if you right. got if you're somebody and this is all you have. It's never a good idea to put all you have into something. But since he knows there's more where that came from, all right, he good. Because he can hold and, and, and let it build back up. Some people, like, get into territory like this, and they're panicking because this is all I have. <laughs> My 24 is now nine, and I got bills. So If it was all you had and you put 24 in and it turned to 32, it right. was still a dumb idea. You just got that's another thing. A big part of financial literacy is being smart, knowing your level, knowing where you are. 
knowing what right. you can invest, how much you can invest, that's a part of financial literacy. So, you know, I don't think he falls on the lower end of the spectrum because of who he is. Now, if the 20th pick in the first round of NFL draft put his whole signing bonus into <laughs> anything, yep, we got a pro- ah, we got a, we got an issue here because you're not getting it the same way this dude is getting it. So shout out to him. We'll see how it uh we see how it plays out. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, Hacha, he lose all his dough. That's not my problem. All right. So before we get out of here, last thing, what happened when y'all on the ground? More Lakers content on the way. Um, I don't know how many of you out there watch Winning Time, the HBO Max uh, series um, about the Los Angeles Lakers. Very entertaining. Uh, you know, based on the book by. Uh, uh, award-winning author Jeff Perlman, who was a guest on The War Room when he wrote that book. Uh, shout out to him. Um, that's a great show. They had one season of that. It's great. Um, Magic Johnson followed that up with a documentary of his own. They call me Magic. I haven't even seen that one yet. But Hulu is coming down Magic the pike. <laughs> Hulu is coming down the pike with a new documentary called Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. And, you know, it looks interesting. Like me, I've never been a Laker fan, but I will be be lying to you if I didn't think everything that goes on with the Lakers, you know, in history, I'd be lying to say that I haven't been intrigued by it. So if you come out with some Laker content, whether it's a scripted show, whether it's a documentary, you know what I'm saying? Whether you got old players just sitting on a TV show doing an interview, I'm interested because there's always some crazy stories that come out about the Lakers about every era, you know, of their franchise's history. This, so this ain't gonna I'll be tuned in to Hulu when that comes this out. Ain't, this ain't going to have footage of the Forum Club or a couple of uh, stories about the trains that Jeannie Buss rode on. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I ain't really that interested. I need to know about the forum club, and I need to know what type of trains, you know, buses and planes, but mainly trains that will run on that that Jeannie likes to to, to ride on. That's 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 my interest. So this is in the mold of a um, uh, what was what was MJ's joint called? Uh, The Last Dance. The Last Dance. This is a 10-part documentary series. I'm loving that, too. I'm loving these 10-part documentaries. I think the greatest sports documentary, and it might be one of the greatest documentaries, period, that I've ever seen, is the most recent one done by um, done on Muhammad Ali. It was PBS. It was um, done by, ah, why does the name escape me? One of the greatest documentarians in the history of documentaries. Um, but the, but his name is escaping me because I'm old, <laughs> and and that's just how it is these days. But Muhammad Ali and I, I forget how many parts that was. It wasn't ten, but it was it was at least four parts. Um, was one of the greatest documentaries that I've ever seen. I I didn't think there was much to learn, much more to learn about Muhammad Ali, and shoot, I ended up doing that. So. Um, Ken Burns, Ken Burns uh, did that joint. Ken Burns has a lot of great documentaries. He has a, a great joint on like Vietnam, 
Great Journal Muhammad Ali. That's just his bag, and, and he was in it when he uh, did the Muhammad Ali joint. So that's what happened this week, good people. While y'all were on the Grizz Nae, I'm going to let y'all know what happened this week in sports history before me and B uh, calls it an evening here. And this week in sports history is brought to you by Sports the Book. Sports the Book, written by War Room Sports' own Jimmy the Blueprint. It's one of the greatest sports books ever written, so make sure you get your copy. You can do that at warroomsports.com or sportsthebook.com. Wherever you end up getting it, just make sure you get it. All right. June 23, 2003, one of B. Austin's favorite baseball players. He only has about five of them. Barry Bonds steals second base against the Los Angeles Dodgers, becoming the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 500 career home runs and 500 steals. Barry Bonds is a bad shut your mouth, steroids or no steroids. Like, he was one of the greatest baseball players, personally, that I've ever seen. And, you know, you can pretty much speak for anybody, unless you're in denial. He's one of the greatest baseball players you've ever seen. Um, You may think that that's tainted and tarnished by um, the help he decided to get in the second half of his career. Crazy part about it is, and I and I understand if that's they just have to be consistent with this. If they're going to take the steroid era and keep dudes out the hall, then you have to keep all of the people who are under suspicion out of the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think at this point it's a lost cause because during that era, baseball was making money hand over fist, and they were loving and and advertising and promoting every part of it, even though they knew what was going on. But that that. Uh, you know, beside that, if baseball purists, if, if you're looking at that as tarnishing things, okay, that's cool. So you might not put him in the Hall of Fame, which I think he needs to be in the Hall of Fame because Barry Bonds, you know, was a Hall of Famer before his 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 hat size went up like six sizes. But but cool if that's what you're using to keep him out. But don't sit here and 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 and, and pee on us and tell us it's, and and act like it's raining and act like he wasn't one of the greatest baseball players you've ever seen, you know, bar none. The dude was crazy with it. But, um, yeah, 500-plus steals, 500-plus home runs. We definitely got to give that moment in, in history a big war room salute. Shout out to Barry Bonds. Um, you might not ever get into that hall, but um, you, you, you definitely still that guy, man. Where did, Where does he rank on your – List B, because I know you you got like five baseball players. You like, where where's Barry Bonds on that? He before Manny, after Manny. <laughs> I I can't hear you, so I don't know what's going on. So I'm gonna no, just go better, ahead and. He better than oh, Manny. There you go. No, he better than he better than Manny. He's number one in my book that I have seen. Um, if we go on all time. Talk about uh, Satchel Page. I got to talk about uh, Hank Aaron. I got to talk about. There's a couple. There's a couple guys out there. I ain't afraid to bring up the Babe no more because I'm convinced the Babe was black, so he with us now. <laughs> he with us. Now we know why he oh, um, well, then it's the dominated the league the way he did because Babe Babe yeah. was just passing because he was light skinned So he yeah, fooled the world. And when they find out that that's true, 
all the admiration you've heard about Babe Ruth is going to uh, just go Yo, all of a sudden. They're going to say away. Babe Ruth took their. They're going to say Babe Ruth took steroids. <laughs> right, right. Even though Bull like ate his dinner and smoked cigarettes while he was in the dugout, right before he came out the bat, and, and, and they that, adored him for all of that. As soon as they found out that it was true that he was black, he's going to be overrated all of a sudden. And, and Bull had syphilis and gonorrhea at the same time. Definitely. All right, so everybody out there, man, we want to thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us for another briefing in the war room. Shout out to no everybody big. in the chat room on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the, the group chats, everything, uh, and all the callers, well, Tobias <laughs> today that called in to chop it up with us. Tune in next week live right here or on demand as we catch you up on the most important sports, entertainment, and life stories of the week, at least the ones we deem as important. We run this. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend, uh, whatever sports you'll be watching or playing in that time in between. Stay safe in these streets because it's crazy in these streets. We'll see you right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book, Sports the Book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. Until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity and be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We shall see you chumps on top. Peace. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.